You want the truth? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. The truth that the Gophers have the best defense in the nation. Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and leave a comment. Let us know how you feel after that great victory against Michigan State. And then be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts at Locked On Golden Gophers. We're reviewing what happened in East Lansing and how we will prep forward to move forward to Purdue this week on today's show. But we have to jump in to what happened for the Gophers this weekend, and it was a sight to behold. Now, don't listen to some of those outside voices, some of those outside haters that want to keep talking down saying Michigan State was nobody. You know what? Michigan State was a team. They're not a team that was as high tier or elite as they maybe entered the season in, but they're not a bad team. They're not a bad team at all. So enjoy the victory. This is the same Michigan State team that put up 28 points against that Washington team that got ranked. How many did they put up against us? Seven? At the very end of the game in garbage time? Almost a shutout? Yeah, I don't care if you don't think Michigan State is the highest caliber team. This was a great victory for the Golden Gophers, and it helped launch us into that ranking of 21 in the AP poll and 23 in the coaches poll. It's about time. We talked about it throughout the offseason that that game was going to be the first opportunity that we would have to get ranked. We took advantage, and we got in there. Now, I think if we win in a very tight game, the Gophers might not crack into the rankings. I mean, think about this. Kansas State absolutely whooped up on the Sooners, who were number six, and got to 25. I mean, some of these pollsters, you can really tell they're not fully invested in these games and watching around the entire country, but more so geographically their team and maybe the people around them. So first off, pollsters. If you're listening to this, which you're probably not, but if you are, do better. Second off, finally the Gophers crack in at number 21 and there's nowhere to go but up as long as we keep grinding and focus on the games one week at a time. Now let's talk about what was impressive in this game. Yardage. At the end of the first quarter, the Gophers had 169 yards. Michigan State had one. That's right, one singular yard by the end of the first quarter. You head into the end of the second quarter at halftime, and it was 310 yards to 45. This defense absolutely dominated, dominated the Michigan State team, and there was maybe like two drives where Michigan State started to put things together, and then everything would deflate due to a turnover, due to a big play, due to a fourth and out. It's just... We've talked about a week in and week out, but this defense is 
special. Special. And the third down domination continues. We continue to be one of the best teams. Um, uh, sorry, sorry. Pardon myself. Pardon myself. Excuse me. We continue to be the best team when it comes to third downs on offense and on defense. If we can continue that tread, this team, it's going to be something special, special. But let's talk about individuals and how things went. Tanner Morgan, 23 of 26, 88% completion rate, 268 yards and three touchdowns. Tanner Morgan had himself a game passed to 10 different pass catchers. What a way to respond. What a way to show that we're still here. We lost our wide receiver one, which we are all going to miss dearly this season, but we're still here. Next man up, quarterback poses himself up by the bootstraps, and he is ready to go. The number one rated passer in PFF through four weeks. The fourth highest QB rating across all college statistics this year so far in the nation. Tanner Morgan is showing he was a part of a bad system with Coach Stanford. Not only is Tanner Morgan showing that he was a part of that bad system by bouncing back, but Sanford's doing it to himself out there. If you want to go look at how Colorado has done now through four weeks, it doesn't take it doesn't take a whole lot to look and see one plus one equals two, folks. Sanford system was terrible. Tanner Morgan is thriving again. His decision-making is so much better. It's so much cleaner. He's always been a fairly good decision-maker, but it's so clean right now. It's so clean. So great performance by Tanner Morgan. Hard to say that he isn't the player of the game. He absolutely dominated. Then you move on to the running back room. You had Mo Ibrahim with 22 attempts for 103 yards and a touchdown. He officially broke the program record for rushing touchdowns in a career with 41. Now, he did have one fumble in the game, and that was tough. But he also was the first player to rush for over 100 yards in Michigan State's last 16 games. So don't talk to me about how this team isn't good at all. They haven't had anybody rush for over 100 yards on them in 16 games. 16! I'm sorry, but this run defense was pretty darn good. You know what we did? We did a key that we talked about last week. We passed the ball so efficiently that it opened up the ground game. It was perfection. It was to a T. It was a clinic. P.J. Fleck was out there showing the world stop hating. That's what P.J. Fleck was doing. He was showing them this team is complete. These guys are working for each other, and he is help leading, helping lead that charge. Mo keeps the streak continuing 13 straight games with 100 yards or more, and he'll look to keep it going at Purdue next week, but he wasn't the only efficient runner. In fact, Trey Potts was balling out there. 13 attempts for 72 yards. Now you might be like, well, it's not 100. Oh, he didn't score a touchdown. I don't care. 5.5 yards of carry, only 13 attempts. He looked decent in the run blocking game, but he had an elusive rating 
of 112.1. Elusive rating takes out the impact of the blocking and puts it solely on grading and judgment of how the runner was doing. 112.1, fabulous elusive rating. 13 attempts for 72 yards, that's 5.5 yards a carry. Bryce Williams, 6 attempts, 26 yards. Tanner Morgan, 3 attempts, 27 yards. He's still finding a way to show up in those rushing stats as well, and you love to see it. And then Cole Kramer had 2 looks with 2 attempts and 16 yards. The rush game was there. It was effective. And then you move into the passing game where it was special. It was something to behold. It was a great thing to see after suffering through watching the pass game the past two seasons. You had Dalen Wright with three receptions for 54 yards. Brevin Spanford, three receptions for 40 yards. Daniel Jackson, three receptions for 42 yards and two touchdowns. Michael Brown-Stevens, six receptions for 73 yards. Clay Geary, two receptions for 12 yards. Lamecki Brockington, one reception for 19 yards. Nick Callerup, one reception for six yards and a touchdown. Mo Ibrahim, two receptions for 20 yards. And then Trey Potts and Bryce Williams, each one reception for one yard. That was a lot of talking. Because that was a lot of people that Tanner distributed the ball to effortlessly, flawlessly, and clean. Tanner Mormon was balling this weekend. We made Michigan State look absolutely foolish. The coach of Michigan State came out in the press conference after this game and said he was absolutely, he's an absolutely expletive coach. They're in shambles. The fan base is so disappointed in what they thought was a year that they would be elite. Their fans are fairly quiet on social media. That team is shook to the core. Now, those outside voices in Wisconsin wanted to chirp. The outside voices in Nebraska wanted to chirp. Look, Nebraska fans... Don't nobody want to hear you, especially who's your coach? How many games have you won? Who have you played since you want to keep talking about who we've played? I'm sorry, but anyway, Wisconsin was chirping until they played that Ohio State game, and now it's real quiet on that end too. So Gophers fans, just enjoy it. Ignore the outside noise. There's always going to be excuses. If we beat Purdue, they're going to say, Aiden O'Connell was coming off an injury. Or Purdue already lost two games. Just ignore the outside noise and enjoy this special thing that is happening with this Gophers football team. This is a team that is extremely exciting, extremely fun to cheer on. Just enjoy it. Now let's talk about the defense before we move into where we went right and where we went wrong. Defensively, we gave up 240 total yards. We had 508 yards total on offense, which was fantastic. On third downs, they were 2 for 8, we were 10 for 12. Fourth downs, they were 1 for 2, and that the one that they didn't have complete on fourth down was an interception. And Minnesota didn't go for it on fourth down. Red zone, they were 0 for 1, the Gophers were 5 for 5. Passing completion, they did have a 74 completion rate, 8.8 .8 per completion. So a lot of kind of short balls, but it happens. Rush yards per carry, 2.7. Terrible in the ground game. 
they gave up. We had one sack on him. We had one pass breakup, and then we had two interceptions and a fumble. We were turning the ball over like crazy, and you love to see it, especially as we enter Big Ten play, and we were on the road. This defense, folks, this defense is special. It is special, and a lot of people don't get thrilled by defense. A lot of people love offense, fireworks, scoring. The defense, folks, if you don't like defense, this is a defense you'd probably enjoy watching. They're putting on a clinic. It looks great. But we're going to talk about where we went right and where we went wrong coming up next. But first, we got to talk about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team for faster and for free. All you have to do is go on LinkedIn Jobs, you create a quick jobs post, and then you put a purple hiring frame on your profile so that way people can know that you your job is hiring and you can spread the word like wildfire. Then you have simple tools like screening questions that make it easy for you to focus on the right candidates quicker with the right skills and experience so you can prioritize who you would like to hire. You got to finish the year strong, folks. The year is closing out quickly. And what's the better way to do that than hiring the right teammate to help bring you to the next level as we move towards 2023? It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find quality candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions, they do apply. All right, we're going to get into the nitty gritty here. We're going to talk about this Michigan State game in a more uh, objective view. And we're going to talk about where we went right and where we went wrong. Now let's talk about where we went wrong first because you want to get that negative out there and then we can put a little positive to pick us back up. But the first thing was that weird end of half one management. Now there was some miscommunications by the refs, by um, the official telling Coach Fleck that one thing was going to happen and then it didn't and then we were given an opportunity where we ran the ball and the clock went down and then we didn't have time to kick a field goal but Trey Potts got out of bounds at the one yard line and then they called him, they called it at the the half, they brought the Gophers off the field, brought him back on the field. Now all that isn't on PJ Fleck. Don't, don't hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I thought it was interesting that we decided to run the ball and give us that one extra second. If we did pass the ball where we were picking them apart, maybe we put ourselves in a better field goal position and are able to take a cleaner field goal. Even with the pots running out at the one, we did were given that extra opportunity and then we kneeled it to run the half out. But I wonder if we just took a different approach and with the passing game humming, maybe we put ourselves in a better opportunity to score and head into the half 20 to zero. Or 17 to zero. I might have misspoke on that one. But regardless, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm putting out there. It's just that last series was a little wonky. A lot of it was on the refs, but there was a little bit on our end where maybe we call it a little different. So 
it was just something, something to clean up, something to look into is how we enter that final kind of one minute drill of trying to see if we're gonna score. If we are taking that opportunity, how we move forward with it, just something it felt a little off in this game and there wasn't a lot that felt, felt off so I had to bring it up. Now the number two point of where we went wrong was adjusting when they shifted to the high tempo offense. You saw it a little bit at the end of the second quarter where they started to get a little bit of yards, but you saw it on on full tilt in that opening drive in the third quarter where Michigan State absolutely drove the field. Now, Mel Tucker had the oomph, the gusta to t- say, we are absolutely going to score heading into the third quarter, like when they come out, they're going to score. He guaranteed they were going to score entering the second half. And at first, it looked like it. And the announcers on Big Ten Network were talking about it. They're like, man, they're driving. Well, Mel Tucker said they're going to score. Both moving, moving, moving down the field. And it was as they were running high tempo, quick, back to the ball, keep going, keep going, that they were pushing the Jophers, their Gophers, the Jophers, my bad. The Gophers, they were taking us down the field bit by bit, piece by piece, slowly but surely working their way up five-yard chunk, six-yard chunk, five-yard chunk, mainly through the air because the ground game was not effective. But that high-tempo offense seemed to semi-give production, give productiveness against this Gophers defense, and that was something to at least keep an eye on now. That being said, that drive, we did come out and we forced a fumble that was immense, really deflated them, took the wind out of their sails, and helped put us back on the track to destroying this team. Force fumble, Thomas Rush, recovered, Justin Wally, fantastic. Clutch, huge play, momentum shifting play. That is how special this defense is and how they can be, but how they were driving the ball up the field so quickly, so efficiently, so fast, That was a little bit of a point of concern that's something we might want to look a little deeper into as we continue forward. Otherwise, we might see other teams see that as a way to try and pick us off, try to pick us apart. So I'm sure, without a doubt, in my mind, in my gut, Coach Joe Rossi will be addressing that this week in practice. Now, the final thing of where we went wrong that I want to discuss is not completely shutting out the Michigan State Spartans. It's not a real worry. It's not something that it's like, oh my God, we can't do this, so we're not good. No, it's nothing like that. Nothing at all. Our ones have only, our ones on defense, think about this. Our ones on defense have given up a total of three points. Three points on the season. And our twos and threes have given up 21 points. They've given up all the touchdowns when our backups have been in the game, and when the other team's backups have been in the game. 21 of the 24 total points that have been scored on the Minnesota Gophers' defense have come against our twos and threes. Now, that being said, it's a great experience for our twos and threes because they're getting live looks. They're getting in-game learning experience to learn and be able to grow and see if they're ready to be with the ones anytime soon, if they're ready to step up or how they have to grow where the improvements need to be made. It's valuable time, even though we don't like to see those points go up because our defense has been so elite and we want to see these blanks. We want to see shutouts against Colorado, against Michigan State, back-to-back. We want to see, we could have three shutouts on the year right now. We could have three clean shutouts on the year, but we only have one. 
So you want to see that. You want to see it come complete. But it's good to see the improvements. It's good to see the young guys getting reps. So that was the last thing of where we went wrong. A brief touch on the fumble that Mo had. That was a tough moment to have a fumble in driving into the opponent's territory on like the 30-yard line. So you're heading towards the red zone. That was a tough one. That fumble can't happen. And Coach Black said that. That fumble cannot happen. But Mo is the engine that runs this team. And we're not going to freak out about something like that because we know that it's a fluke. It's something that doesn't happen often. And he'll learn from it and keep moving. Now, where we went right, the first thing is this passing offense was absolutely balling. Pass catchers stepped up across the board, 10 different guys that caught the ball. Dalen Wright looked good when it came his way. Daniel Jackson, who was my pick to be the best receiver this week, he might have been. Two touchdowns, 42 yards, and some of those catches were absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Daniel Jackson showing out his first game back, first game back without a pitch count. And he looked great. He's shining. He's ready to step up. And I love it. I love it. Clay Geary, very consistent. Very consistent. Does what needs to be done. Great in the pass or run blocking as well. I was impressed with him. Lamecki had a bobbled catch, but he caught it. So you like to see that. But you want to see cleaner catches from him. Brevin Spanford had some great catches, especially in the first half. I wish we would continue to get him involved further on, but everybody was stepping up, so it's hard to complain. The passing game was balling. Point number two of where we went right was forcing turnovers. This has been something that the Gophers defense has been stressing this year and wanting to capitalize and get the ball back in the offense's hands, and they did that to a T on. It was, that was teach tape this week of how the Gophers forced turnovers Two interceptions, one fumble, all coming in huge moments in the game, all deflating any momentum that was being gained and putting down a team that used to be ranked 11. A team that is pretty good. They might not be great, but they're pretty good. The final point of where we went right was controlling the entire game and setting the tone. Like I said, every time there was a moment where it seemed like they were gaining momentum, where the crowd was getting back in the game, shut down, turnover, issues forced, loved it. Mo scores, Tanner picking them apart. Like there were so many times that we just controlled the game, set the tone, and then it was in a calm manner. It looked like we were in the middle of. A hurricane and everybody was straight faced ready to go next play here we go 20 yards here 10 yards there five yards here it doesn't matter we're going down the field that is what it looked like this team is so composed they're so mature and that's why they can be an extremely special team this year and the media is finally coming around the national media is finally coming around you got joe clad out there saying Look at their schedule. This is a great team, and they could absolutely be 12-0, 11-1, heading to Indy. What? Yeah, that's true. I came in here saying every single game on this schedule is winnable. Every single game on this game is winnable. Now, I predicted a 9-3 start. 9-3. I got a lot of flack for that, but that's how I wanted to at least... Anything can happen on any given Saturday, but I wanted to at least be honest with the listeners and say every single game on this game on the schedule is winnable if the Gophers show up like they can. And they have been so far, and they've been putting everyone on notice. 
absolutely love it. Now, what we're going to do last is talk about the PFF grades. That's how we're going to close the show coming up next. All right. Thank you for listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, making us your first listen when it comes to Golden Gophers sports on the daily Monday through Friday. We're going to talk about PFF grades, but I do want to say, I want to caution you. I know listeners have asked me to talk about PFF grades, and so we do this every Monday, but I want to at least say take it with a grain of salt because they adjust. They adjust throughout the entire week. By the time we hit Thursday, these grades have been evaluated by three, four different people over at PFF, and they have shifted a ton. In fact, just to give you an example, last week, John Michael Schmitz was rated as one of the bottom three offensive players graded last week versus Colorado. After the evaluations, after the other people looking at it, after putting it all together and getting a consensus, he moved to a top five player in our offense as far as PFF grades went versus Colorado. That's how big of a shift that can happen with these grades, so do not take them as the letter of the law. Now, the top grades for our offense, Tanner Morgan, 92.9 on 72 snaps. He was balling. We've already talked about it. 88% completion rate. He's number one in the entire nation when it comes to PFF grades now, and rightfully so. The dude has been pristine. He's been so clean, and his completion percentage has been getting better and better every single game. As we're getting into harder games, his completion percentage has been getting better. Love it. Love it. John Michael Schmitz was number two for the offense, 76.3 grade with 73 snaps. Michael Brown-Stevens came in at number three with a 75.8 and 63 snaps. Now, you like to see this because Michael Brown-Stevens has been in the lower category for the offense for the past couple weeks, so you love to see that bounce back. Trey Potts came in at number four for the offense, 75.1 grade, 21 snaps, 13 attempts for 73 yards like we discussed, which was 5.5 yards a carry. He had three attempts that were 10-plus yard gains on his only 13 attempts. On top of that, we talked about the elusive rating of 112.1, which is a PFF score outside of blocking, so it takes the blocking aspect out of it, and he was running real elusive, real real nice. It was clean. You like it. And then the fifth person on offense was Clay Geary, a 70.9 in the grades, 32 snaps, had one or two receptions, I believe, for 12 yards, and also... Was a He was great in the run blocking with a grade of 72.2 as a wide receiver. He's not afraid to put in the dirty work, the gritty work, and do what is best for the team. So you love to see that from Clay Geary. Now flipping to the defensive side of the ball, I think these grades are going to shift a bit more and significantly rise upon review. The first is Danny Shergau, uh 79.7 on 23 snaps. He had that big-time interception. Thomas Rush, 75.4. 29 snaps, three tackles, two stops, one forced fumble in a huge position on the field. Justin Wally, 74.4. This is definitely going to rise. But Justin Wally, 74.4 on 38 snaps. He had a fumble recovery. He had an interception. He had four tackles, and he was good in coverage. So that's definitely going to bump up. Terrell Smith had a 70.1 on 38 snaps. And then Kyler Baugh had a 69.3 on 26 snaps. So those were the top-graded PFF players for the Gophers. The bottom three, Ariante Ursery on offense had a lower grade in the 50. It was 53.1. Quinn Carroll had a 54.6, I believe, on 74 snaps. And then um, 
And then the third uh, third lowest on offense was Lamecki Brockington, who had like a 63-point-something grade, which isn't that terrible. It isn't bad. If your lowest one of your lowest grades is a 63.2, a 63.9, whatever, I can't remember the last digit, but I'll take that as one of my worst grades when you're looking across the board at what these grades can be. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, we did have some lower options. Braylon Oliver, who ended up injured in this game, hopefully he is doing all right. He came in at a 46.9 for his PFF grade. Trill Carter at a 51.6, and I think that'll raise. And then Cody Lindenberg had a 55.2. Not, not a bad game. And again, don't take these as the letter of the law, but the Gophers, they balled. Gophers dominated and they're ready, looking towards Purdue, a new week, a new week to go 1-0 in the Purdue season. So here we go. Thank you for listening. That's going to do it for us here at Locked On Golden Gophers. This is Kane Rob signing off. I'll see you tomorrow and roll the boat. Sky Yuma. Go Gophers.